Hello everybody, it is Michael and I'm back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate your continued support on the show. Make sure to keep downloading it on the audio platforms. If you're listening on YouTube, please leave it a like. If you're uh, listening on Apple Podcasts, leave it a five-star review. And yeah, let's get right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about the first game of every series in the playoffs. So first, starting out with the Jazz vs. Nuggets, this was a really fun one, an overtime game that was super entertaining all throughout. Donovan Mitchell was absolutely incredible this game, putting up the third most points in a playoff game in NBA history with 57 points. He shot over 57% from the field, 40% from three, got to the free throw line 13 times and hit all of them. It just seemed like whoever they switched on to him couldn't stop him no matter what. They were really abusing the pick and roll uh, and trying to switch guys like Michael Porter Jr. who are a bit slow-footed onto him. So I was really impressed with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he was doing a decent job of playmaking as well as he's playing more of a point guard role because Mike Conley left the bubble to witness the birth of his son. And he'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. I think he is missing a game or two. But for now, Donovan Mitchell will have to play more of a point guard role, be that facilitator. I'd like to see him facilitate a little bit earlier, because it seemed like the big issue was that really no one else could help him. Like, Joe Ingles had a solid game. He hit five of his 12 threes, and he played pretty well, got six assists. Rudy Gobert put up 17 but no one else could really do anything. Jordan Clarkson is Jordan Clarkson where he's incredibly inconsistent and a bit con- just confusing. And then guys like Royce O'Neal, one for six. Jawan Morgan started one for five. That was a bad look having Jawan Morgan start because they really have a lack of depth right now without Mike Conley, without Bogdanovich. And that is going to be a bit of an issue. So... I'm interested to see what happens in the future. I'm interested to see if anybody will really be able to step up for the Jazz. Because the fact that they still lost this game by 10 in overtime with Donovan Mitchell having one of the best playoff performances ever is a bit scary. So hopefully Mike Conley can come back soon and uh, help this team with their depth. Because when you got players like uh, Juwan Morgan starting, even though I like... I like Royce O'Neal, but he's almost a non-factor on offense, even though he's a pretty good defender. And, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens in the future with the series. This is going to be a really fun series. But I liked some of the things I saw from Utah. didn't like some other things. And it's a game you can take a lot of stuff away from. Uh, well, on the Nuggets side, Michael Porter Jr. started off really hot. He was looking really good, but his shot was struggling a bit later. And the big issue with Michael Porter Jr., I really like Michael Porter Jr. I think he's great already, and I think he has such a bright future. But they he didn't get that run during the season. So the big issue with him is that he's still uh, kind of learning as he goes on the defensive end. And he's a bit slow-footed, so that is a bit of a worry for me. As uh, the Jazz were really abusing that uh, pick-and-roll and trying to switch Michael Porter Jr. a lot onto Donovan Mitchell, and he was getting cooked, which makes sense because Michael Porter Jr. is a 6'11 power forward traditionally, even though he's playing small forward right now. So I would love to see Michael Porter Jr. step it up on defense. I understand his struggles because he really didn't play much at all during the, the regular season. So I'm interested to see if uh, if this continues, how much Mike Malone will continue to play him. He played 31 minutes in this game. So I do see him still getting a good amount of opportunity as they're, uh, he's a guy they're putting a lot of stock into and a guy that they seem to believe in a lot. So I'd like to see his shot keep going, him continue to prove on defense. He's already a really good rebounder. So yeah, I like my, Michael Porter Jr. a lot. Just need him to improve on that defensive end. I did like what I saw from him as a confidence thing, like his three-point shot. shot three of seven, hit a pull-up three right over someone. That's a very valuable thing that Michael Porter Jr. can bring to the table. Uh, The other guys, Jokic was incredible. Very good game for Jokic, putting up 29 and 10. I was incredibly impressed by Jokic. Hit some very timely shots, hit some 
hit a big three, shot four of seven from three. He was killing Rudy Gobert in the mid-range. And this really goes back to the whole thing about uh, traditional centers that I was talking about earlier, where this whole series really exposes Rudy Gobert because of Jokic's versatility and his uniqueness as a player and his uniqueness at the center position. Uh, where Gobert being such a good rim protector, but Jokic, he isn't a great shooter traditionally, especially the past couple of years. His three-point shot has struggled a bit, but he's a very good mid-range shooter. His three-point shot can come and go, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future because R- Rudy Gobert was just getting killed in the two-man game. Like Jamal Murray, who also had an incredible game, put up 36, nine assists. The two-man game and the pick-and-roll and pick-and-pop of uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray was deadly. They were doing so well. I loved seeing that. I loved seeing that step from Jamal Murray because he obviously got paid a huge max contract, which was uh, a thing that kind of made sense for uh, the Nuggets to keep a guy that they're confident in. And that is obviously good, but he's a, a very inconsistent player. So if I can see in this playoffs him step up and be more consistent, be like a consistent uh 22 to 25 point score that'd be huge for them yeah I really like what I saw from Jamal Murray he was making some very good passes and he was really just taking advantage of uh, the two-man game that him and Jokic have and that was really really impressive I loved what I saw from that and I hope they keep using that a lot in the future because that's going to be deadly especially as long as Jokic is hitting his middies and his threes Uh, just the threat of him either rolling or popping is going to be really good, and that Jamal Murray can hit the three off the screen. He can drive to the basket. Uh, he can obviously pass it to Jokic. He can hit the mid range. So I like that two man game a lot. One of the best duos, one of the better duos in the league, and it was really fun to watch them just destroy uh, uh, the Jazz. They just seemed to have no answer for that two man game. And Jeremy Grant was huge off the bench for them. I really like Jeremy Grant as a player. He put up 19. He played 39 minutes for them. So, yeah, he was really, really good for them. I love Jeremy Grant. It'll be super interesting to see uh, what they do with him in free agency because he's such a good player that I could definitely see some teams throwing him a decent contract. And it's just going to be really interesting to see what they do with him because obviously they got Paul Millsap. But he's on an expiring deal. They got Michael Porter Jr. And then they got him on an expiring deal. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the market values him at. And then what the Nuggets value him at, obviously. Uh, Monte Morris was also very good. Efficient, as always, off them for them off the bench. So, just such a nice uh, backup point guard. And then he was playing a little bit with Jamal Murray. And I like to see that because it just has uh, a lot of playmaking and a lot of scoring. And it's very fun to watch. But yeah, I lo- like a lot what I saw from the Nuggets, especially with them able to win. Uh, even with Donovan Mitchell's 57 was really impressive. And the Jazz, I'm just really, I'm concerned about Rudy Gobert, man. Like, he get he got four blocks. He scored 17 points, but he was getting torched in the pick and roll. Jokic was killing him in the mid-range area. He only shot one of six from the free throw line, which is terrible. And then the big thing that uh, concerned me is his lack of playmaking, uh, which is what I've been talking about, is that that's going to be the future of the big man position, where it's all about uh, versatility, shooting, playmaking, being able to switch, all that stuff is going to be super important as we go into the future. And I'm incredibly interested to see how long like the Rudy Gobert archetype is going to last in the NBA because honestly I don't see it lasting much longer I don't see the traditional uh, run and dunk center and obviously he's more than that because he's a great screener great defender but I don't see that type of center lasting much longer and the most interesting thing for me is what is Rudy Gobert's value going to be on the open market because he's uh, eligible for a super max contract now obviously I don't think they're going to give it to him but I'd be interested to see if they give him max or if they just wait to see what the other teams value him. And I don't know what the other teams would value him. Because I could easily see uh, Rudy Gobert falling off quick. He is the most potential for me in the league to just uh, one year. It's like, wow, what happened to this guy? Kind of like uh, Roy Hibbert. So it's a bit scary to see that because they were kind of making uh, Gobert make plays 
when Donovan Mitchell w- wasn't having the ball because they were doing their best that they could to take the ball out of his hands. And then Rudy Gobert could just do nothing. And it looked really rough for a couple minutes. And for the last, like, two minutes of the game in overtime, he just seemed like to be uh, a non-factor. Because even though, again, he got four blocks, he made a good play to stop Jokic from hitting the game winner originally. I just don't know how long that's going to last in the NBA. And it's going to be incredibly, incredibly interesting to see what happens as we go into the future, as the game keeps evolving. So, yeah, that's something I definitely took away from this game and something that will be decided a lot in the future of the series for me. Because if Jokic Jokic and Murray keep running that pick and roll and killing the Jazz, then we're really going to have to sit down and have a conversation about Rudy Gobert and what his value is in the league. So that's interesting for me. But, yeah, a very good game, super entertaining. Nuggets played very well. Jazz uh, Donovan Mitchell was incredible. I'd love to see the other guys step up more. Hopefully when Mike Conley comes back, he's actually good. But the Nuggets just had a well-rounded game, even with guys like Michael Porter Jr. kind of slowing down and struggling. Uh, they still played great. Even with guys like Paul Millsap only shooting 3 of 10, they still played great. So like what I saw from them, very confident in them for the rest of the series. It will be a close series. But this didn't. This game really didn't change my perception much on the series. I still got Nuggets in five or six, probably. And yeah, it'll be a good series, fun series. These teams are not too far away. But yeah, I enjoyed this game. Looking forward to see them play today because we got these uh, first four games on. We'll be on again today. That'll be really fun. Again, this game, every single game will be for me at least, super telling on what's going to happen in Rudy Gobert's future and what's going to happen in that type of center's future, guys like Clint Capella anyway. So, yeah, moving on to the next game, we got one game that I'm going to be totally honest, paid very little attention to because it was a blowout throughout. Uh, We got Nets versus Toronto. I was hoping the Nets could put up a fight, but this first game looked rough because they were doubling... Karis LeVert the entire game and I was impressed what I saw from Karis LeVert he was uh, doing his best to play make out of those double teams racked up 15 assists but he really struggled to score because they were just throwing all the defense at him uh, Joe Harris did look pretty good Jared Allen had a pretty solid game and uh, TLC has continued to look really good for them and we interesting to see what his value is on the market it'll be interesting to see if uh, what they think about this, if they think it's just a fluke or if it's actually he can be a good NBA player. But yeah, it was a rough game for the Nets. They just couldn't uh, do much. They started off very, very slow. It was a really, really rough start for them. And while they uh, came back at a certain point and brought it within nine, the game never really felt that close just because it always... Uh, seemed like the Raptors were going to win it no matter what. And while I did uh, expect them to win this in a pretty easy five games, I was hoping for the Nets to put up more of a fight than this, just uh, seeing what I saw from them in the seeding games. Uh, Yeah, on the Raptors' side, uh, it was a pretty well-rounded effort for them. Uh, Fred Van Vliet looked phenomenal. He had 30 points, uh, was incredibly efficient, hit 8 of 10 threes. Really like what I saw from Fred Van Vliet. Another player where it would be super interesting to see his value on the market. And it'll be interesting to see if they keep him. Because the Raptors have always had that like next man up mentality. So I don't know if they're going to uh, be willing to pay Fred Van Vliet like $20 Because I could easily see a team like the Knicks if they can't land LaMelo Ball. Uh, throwing Fred Van Vliet a big contract. And he's worth it because he's a great player. So that'll be something very interesting to see as we go into the future. But yeah, I like what I saw from the Raptors. They played great defense. Serge Ibaka was great off the bench for them. Terrence Davis was good in the limited minutes he played. Uh, The one thing I am very, very concerned about is Pascal Siakam has really, really struggled uh, during the eight games, during the eight bubble games, and then again struggled last game. Put up four for 13 from the field, one of four from three. And he just hasn't looked like himself during any of these games, to be totally honest. And while they can get by teams like the Raptors with him just playing 
uh, pretty poor or even all right. I am worried for them if they want to make this uh, deep run. They're going to need their best player to show up when it matters the most. So that is a bit worrying for me because uh, even though Fred VanVleet is very good, uh, guys like Norman Powell I really like off the bench. I don't know if I can trust them to win a series if their best player isn't playing like their best player. So that's something to really look into in the future. And it is a bit scary. It would be a bit scary for me if I was a Raptors fan, especially when you're going to have to face a team like the Celtics in the second round to have wings that can play good defense on them. But yeah, that's something interesting to look uh, forward to in the future. Was a bit of a boring game for me. Was a bit of a disappointing game for me. But yeah, the Raptors looked very good. Defense, very impressive. Hit their threes at a great rate. And they're just a very good team. But I am going to need Pascal to play better and just look better in general. Because that is something that is definitely worrying for me. If they want to make this championship run. Which they definitely have the chance to. Moving on to the 76ers versus Celtics. Now, this, especially as a Celtics who, a Celtics fan who puts a lot of pride into the series, was an incredibly interesting one. Uh, just to start off the game, Joel Embiid was absolutely dominating. Put up a quick 11 points, hit like a step back three at the end of the buzzer, and he just looked like he could not be stopped out there. He was incredible, destroying us. But then I was incredibly impressed by the Celtics' defense. They did exactly what I was talking about in the preview to the series, where they were throwing the creative double teams at him that were really throwing him off, making him struggle, uh, throwing turnovers. He had five turnovers for the game, and that's what was most impressive. Guys like Marcus Smart stepped up huge, getting some steals, knocking the ball out of his hands. And then uh, Joel Embiid. This is the thing about him. Joel Embiid is so damn talented. He's one of the most talented players in the entire league. But there just seems to always be something wrong with him. And this game, his conditioning looked terrible. Where I know people were getting mad at Brett Brown for not giving him the ball. And I do agree. Like when they were giving Al Horford post touches, ugh, that was that was not a good look at all. And first of all, the Al Horford and Joel Embiid lineup cannot happen for more than a couple minutes. It looks so bad with them out there. The spacing is just so cluttered. And yeah, it's just not a good look at all when they're both trying to like post up. Al Horford is at like the mid-range area because that's kind of where he thrives. So yeah, I really don't like that. I haven't liked it all year, but uh, as someone who's really like analyzing this game and looking deeper into it because it's such a big game... I really didn't like what I saw from that. And yeah, the double teams that the Celtics were throwing at and the turnovers that they were causing was incredibly impressive. Eight, They caused 18 turnovers for the game, and then they only had seven. That was the real biggest difference maker in this game because the turnovers uh, just let them get in the open court, get in the fast break where they're really good. So that was super impressive. But yeah, I'm going to need Joel Embiid to be... Uh, more consistent throughout the game, be more conditioned. Because, yeah, people were mad at Brett Brown for not giving him the ball, which I do agree with. Uh, it was frustrating to watch. But it also seemed like when Joel did get the ball, he just he didn't have that same aggressiveness he had at the beginning of the game. He was being lazy on defense. Like, Robert Williams took a mid-range jumper, uh, and then Joel Embiid just let him get the rebound and dunk it. I can't see Joel Embiid do that. Joel Embiid needs to be by far the best player on the court for them to win the series. And he just simply wasn't. He was being lazy on defense a couple times, throwing turnovers that I'm like, even as a Celtics fan, I'm like, come on, like, you're better than that. But yeah, the Celtics did exactly what I wanted. They tried to make the other guys win. Tobias Harris was... Just very all right, very Tobias Harris-esque. Josh Richardson was trying to be aggressive, but he just didn't look very good. Shot about 40% from the field. I did like what I saw from Alec Burks a lot off the bench. He was very good for them. Uh, Shake Milton had a solid game for them. And Matisse Thibel was playing some as good as defense as you can on Jason Tatum. But, yeah, I'm going to need Joel Embiid to be by far the best player on the court if they want to win. And I just didn't see that. Even though he was definitely in the first quarter, he was dominant in the first quarter. He was killing us. 
no matter who we put on him. But once those double teams started coming in and they forced him to be a passer, they did exactly what I wanted them to, which, I mean, I expected them to. It's not like a crazy game plan, but I was just really happy to see them do that game plan and execute it so well where they're just throwing creative double teams that uh, Joel Embiid really couldn't see. And then they were even doing that without Horford. Now Horford's a very good passer, and he got like he got six assists. But even them, he was causing some turnovers, and that's just the biggest uh, difference maker in this game is the turnovers and then the fast break points the Celtics were able to obtain off those turnovers. But yeah, I'm gonna need to see the 76ers step up because they they just looked all right and. I also would love to see, I don't know if this was a real quote or not, but if it is a real quote, this is incredibly concerning, where I saw a quote on Twitter, you can never really trust what you see on Twitter, but it was saying that, like, Brett Brown has zero interest in just putting, like, four floor spacers and then Joel Embiid, which is incredibly concerning, because a guy like Furkan Korkmaz, whose only job is to go out there and shoot, even though... I can't really blame uh, Brett Brown because in seven minutes he fouled three times. I would love to see a lineup just for the Sixers because it would be good to see where it's like Shake Milton, uh, Alec Burks or Josh Richardson, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, Tobias Harris at the four, and then Joel Embiid at the five where he just has all this space around him and he just has all this room to dominate because Joel Embiid is a dominant force, one of the most dominant forces in the entire league. So, yeah, I'm going to need to see Joel Embiid be aggressive the entire game. In the second quarter, he got, like, two touches. In the fourth quarter, he was silent. And it was just disappointing to watch because I know how good Joel Embiid is. Joel Embiid is so talented, but it's just something always off about him. And I need to see him stop sitting at the three-point line. But also, that does... bring back to what I was talking about with Al Horford at the four it just doesn't work I know you're paying that guy so much money which you never should have in the first place and I know it's kind of insurance for Joel Embiid getting injured but that's not an excuse to give up that bad of a contract and I know you want to play this guy because you want to make it worth your money but in a playoff series where you need to win basketball games, you just need to do what's best for the team. And what's best for the team, in my opinion, is putting out four shooters around Joel Embiid and letting that man dominate. Because it's much easier for the Celtics to throw double teams at him when there's a non-shooter on the court because you're not super concerned. Especially when the Celtics are so uh, quick and mobile where they're good at rotating and switching at a very good uh, speed, you're going to need shooters out there to make them pay no matter how good they are at rotating. So I'm going to need to see the 76ers play a lot better. I'm going to need to see Joel Embiid be aggressive the entire game for that to happen. Now moving on to the Celtics side, first I want to talk about something that as a Celtics fan hurts me a lot and is incredibly concerning as if the Celtics want to make a run, which obviously they do. I thought they were going to make a run. I, this is the most confident I've ever been in a Celtics team. But first of all, pairs up to Gordon Hayward. I feel so bad for that man. He's been so unlucky. Another big injury, a grade three ankle sprain will be out for four weeks. The second that play happened, looked very bad, twisted his ankle. Ugh, it just... It just hurts a lot as a Celtics fan because it feels like Gordon Hayward has like never been here fully, and we paid him such a big contract. And the most frustrating thing, I was watching a, a video by a funky diabetic who's a YouTuber I watch a lot, a big Celtics fan like me, and the thing that is the most frustrating thing about the Gordon Hayward injuries is that none of them correlate. You may be like, oh, well, didn't he have the broken ankle thing? This is literally the opposite ankle uh, his other injury, he had like a he had a broken hand from running into a Lamarcus Aldridge screen. They're all just so like random freak accidents. Like you can't control him going up for an alley oop and breaking his ankle. You can't control him running into a screen and breaking his hand. And then he is just in traffic trying to get a rebound. He jumps up and just lands on someone's foot. It's just so disheartening to watch as a Celtics fan because he played very well. Well, if you just look at the box score and it's like, oh, 12 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 
uh, he was playing some very good defense, hit some timely shots that the Celtics needed, and was doing a great job in the double teams. He was doing a phenomenal job in the double teams, got four steals. And I was really impressed with what I saw from Gordon Hayward. And this is just a super tough loss because the biggest thing that was going to allow the Celtics to beat the Raptors is just because they had so many different guys who can do so many different things. And now you lose a lot of that without Gordon Hayward, and it just sucks so much as a Celtics fan. But, yeah, I'm hoping for Gordon Hayward to recover to uh, recover as quick as possible. But, yeah, it was tough to watch. And it hurts a ton as a Celtics fan, especially I was so impressed with how he's playing. And now he's going to be out for four weeks. So we're going to need to make a deep playoff run for him to even come back. So that's really sad, but I hope he does well. I hope this isn't a recurring thing because it's not like the thing is, it's not like it's like a chronic knee injury where it's like, oh, it kind of makes sense that he's injured again. It's like these are three freak injuries that are all bad injuries and it's like why does this have to happen to him it feels like ever since he's got a Celtics jersey on they just don't want that man to succeed and it's really tough to watch but hopefully he gets better because that'll be a big x factor for the Celtics hopefully the Celtics will still be in the playoffs by the time he comes back but yeah moving on to the other guys Jason Tatum man Jason Tatum was phenomenal this game, putting up an efficient 32 points, got to the line 11 times, got 13 rebounds, was huge on the defensive end, getting three blocks. Uh, and I was just incredibly impressed by Jason Tatum. Uh, I love Jason Tatum's game. He's such a good player. And I just like to uh, see that from him, be that number one guy for the whole game. And especially in the second quarter, he was dominating doing his classic like pick and roll uh, quickly shoot the three getting to the mid-range doing well there uh, attacking the basket very well getting to the line at a good rate I just love what I saw from Jason Tatum he looked very good that game and I hope to continue to see this it'll be interesting to see without Gordon Hayward what happens this game and I think it'll be very telling for the Celtics future but yeah I love what I saw from Jason Tatum really looking like that number one guy and he also continues to press me on defense. I think that's definitely the most underrated thing about Jason Tatum is how good of a defender he is. He's a very solid defender. And those three blocks, well, I don't like using blocks for the most part or just like normal steals, like uh, normal stats, like steals and blocks on defense because that's not really telling. You could really just see from like the blocks, he was making some very timely plays. Like one play, got a block. Uh, threw it out in transition to Jalen Brown, who was also incredible that game. This duo of the Jays is just so fun to watch, and they're so impressive. There was just a, like a quarter where they were just going back and forth, and it was so impressive to watch, where they're really looking like a duo who can do great things. Jalen Brown shooting 5 of 8 from 3, scoring 29, uh, and he was vi- another great player on defense. He was incredible uh, doing a great job in the double teams throwing them off and then on offense the step he has taken has been so so impressive because I never saw this coming even as a guy who liked uh, Jalen Brown and believed in him even though that contract was a bit scary when we gave it out to him he's proving that he's worth every cent of that because he's just such a good player and the step he's taken offensively His improvement in ball handling, his improvement in three-point shooting, his shot creation is so much better. And this duo is so much fun to watch, and I'm so glad they're on my team. They're going to be locked up. Jason Tatum will get this Mac extension this offseason. We have Jalen Brown for another four years, and I think they're going to be so good for many years to come in Boston Celtics jersey. So, yeah, love this duo, love what I saw from them, and love the... It's an interesting duo because uh, a lot of like the two-man duos you see is from a, a guard and a big man or like a wing and a big man. But seeing two wings just kind of go back and forth and each do their thing is really fun to watch, especially because of how just entertaining their play styles are. And I like what I saw from Kemba Walker. I just love uh, Kemba Walker's ability to just take a backseat and kind of like he can have a 19-point game night and just like five assists but still be very impactful and he's just very good at knowing uh when to just give the ball to Jalen Brown give the ball to Jason Tatum and get out of the way but just his 
uh, gravity and his presence on the court, even if he's not scoring that much, will always be effective. And Marcus Smart was doing very well in the double teams. Need to see him uh, shoot better than he did, especially as he gets inserted to the starting lineup. Now, that is the very scary thing for me, is how the hell are the Celtics going to win when they already have no bench, and now we take away our biggest bench piece in Marcus Smart. So the starters are going to have to play a lot. I'm going to need to see Daniel Tice try and not get in foul trouble. I know it's hard when he's guarding Joel Embiid. He only hit one of his five threes. Joel Embiid was really daring him to take those. I'd love to see him hit more of those. Uh, Robert Williams, uh, four fouls in only 12 minutes. That's the thing about Robert Williams. I really like Robert Williams and his potential just because he's an incredible athlete, has great defensive potential. And uh, has shown the confidence to take some like mid-range jumpers, but he just like he makes a lot of dumb fouls that infuriate me. Where like uh, I think it was it was either Josh Richardson or Alec Burks had a pretty like wide open layup, and he caught back. He didn't even like attempt to block them. He just kind of hit them, and I'm like, come on, you can't be doing that. But he did get four offensive rebounds. Got that play on Joel Embiid. Yeah, I'm scared to see uh, guys like Brad Wanamaker play more, guys like Grant Williams, guys like Semi Ojale, and they're going to have to with, with the absence of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, everybody. Just uh, my last thoughts on this series is that without Gordon Hayward, the Celtics' uh, lack of depth is going to stand out even more. It's going to be even more of an issue with Marcus Martin in the starting lineup. Uh, I still have confidence that they can win the series. I still think they're a good team. Uh, the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum duo and Kemba Walker as either the second or third option, depending on what night it is, I think that can still push us over the top. I think the Sixers' inconsistency, uh, Joel Embiid's uh, uh, concerning health and all that stuff will be an issue The Al Horford and Joel Embiid lineup, even though obviously they're way bigger than the Celtics, whenever the Celtics see that lineup, they should be through the moon because that just doesn't work and it's so cluttered. But yeah, I have the Celtics still winning in probably six games, but I could easily see this being a seven-game series, especially without Gordon Hayward. And the biggest issue with Gordon Hayward, though, is what's going to happen in the future of the Celtics uh, when they have to face such a good team like the Raptors. Moving on to the next game, we got Mavericks versus Clippers. Now, this game, man, I was absolutely infuriated watching this game. So, I'm a huge Luka Doncic fan. Love Luka Doncic. By far my favorite player in the league. I love guys like Jason Tatum, but Luka Doncic is just so fun for me to watch. And I always want the Mavs to win, basically, unless they're playing the Celtics. And they got absolutely robbed and us as fans should be also very mad because we got robbed from a great game it was already a good game but they gave Chris Dapsporzingis two of the weakest technical fouls I have ever seen first he gets I'm going to talk about the game after but first we're just going to talk about the officiating first he gets a completely clean block and just gets mad and doesn't direct anything at any ref. Doesn't even, like, yell at the ref and get to tech. That was ridiculous. Then Marcus Morris, because he's always trying to be this tough guy and live up to this reputation, for no reason after the play just grabs Luka. And then Porzingis gives him the lightest push. And Marcus Morris is grabbing his neck. Marcus Morris doesn't get a technical, but Porzingis does. That was ridiculous. Literally, if Porzingis gets a technical... Everyone in that scuffle should have got a technical because Porzingis was just standing up for his guy and didn't do anything. So that was so, oh my God, I was so mad watching that. And then there was a lot of terrible calls. So many times the Mavericks got a clean stealer, clean block, no foul. Uh, the court was super slippery. Like Kawhi on a play slipped super hard. Luka slipped. And he got hurt. He hurt a little bit and uh, hurt his Achilles or something. He was out for a little bit. So that was um, that was annoying to watch because I'm like, this is not safe. Because, uh, like, Porzingis, he didn't break his ankles. Everybody's acting like he broke Kawhi's ankles. But he literally just did, like, a simple jab step jumper. And Kawhi slipped super hard because the floor was incredibly slippery. 
But moving on to the actual game, uh, the Mavericks struggled a ton at first. Luka was really struggling because the Clippers just have so much wing defense to throw at him, and they were really making him struggle. The turnovers were a big issue. He, has, he had 11 turnovers on the game, five in, like, the first quarter, and he couldn't score, couldn't do much. But you know, interestingly, interestingly enough, the second he got out of the game, the Mavericks went on a run because they just weren't relying so much on Luka. The bench stepped up huge. Seth Curry hit some big shots for them. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist hit two threes, which was wild. But And then guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. stepped up. Uh, it was very interesting to see them go on that run because the Mavericks are just such a good three-point shooting team. Yeah, at one point they went on like a 40, I think it was 48 to 18 run. They were incredible for a certain part of the game because they just could not miss from three. Three-point shooting is so impressive. And then when Luka came back in the game, this is the most impressive thing for me about Luka is how quickly he can adapt. They have so many tough defenders that were making him struggle a ton. He had the most points ever in a playoff debut, 42 points. He was getting to the free-throw line, hit two of his threes, still got nine assists, 11 turnovers, still an issue. I got three big timely steals got seven rebounds and he was just so impressive where he was pushing guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard out of his way the most impressive thing to, well one of the most impressive things to me about Luke is just how he can get to the basket without being very athletic because he's so he has such good footwork he's great balance he is so good at like controlling his speed and when he changes direction and speed and then he's super strong where you yeah again he was just pushing guys out of the way uh guys like Patrick Beverly were getting bullied when they were guarding him Patrick Beverly could do nothing on Luka he was getting absolutely destroyed by Luka so I love to see that from Luka I just wish Porzingis could have played more because he was uh, struggling a bit in the minutes he played but they had the momentum they were up by like six when he was uh, ejected and I just think this could have been a closer game. We were robbed of a great game, man. But it was still a fun game. The Mavericks and the Mavericks should be very they should be mad at the results, but they should be happy about how they played cuz without their second best player, they were they only lost by 8 to one of the best teams in the league. And Luka played absolutely incredible even with such good defenders on them. They did a great job of hitting their threes. Uh overall the percentage isn't great, but they went on a run. Uh, the run they went on was super impressive, especially when Lugo was uh, out for a little bit. So the Mavs should be very happy, and especially because they were so close to winning with Porzingis only playing 19 minutes and Luka having 11 turnovers. That is something they should be very happy about, but they should be mad at the refs. That was an embarrassment. I hate blaming it on the refs because I think that's such a sorry excuse. Like, 76ers fans were blaming it on the refs. When we literally had, like, the same amount of free throws. There wasn't any ridiculous technicals that threw out one of their big players. But the Mavericks should be mad because those two techs, especially knowing the context that Porzingis already had one tech and that he could be thrown out, that made that tech even softer. And that was just sad. But the Mavs should be happy. They can... They can put up a fight in this series, for sure. They can definitely put up a fight, especially if Luka plays better with the turnovers. Because he even said he played terrible after having 42 points and the most points in a playoff debut in history. But on the Clippers side, Kawhi was a killer. Uh, hit some big shots, scored 29, got 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. Kawhi had a very good game, very impressive. Uh, Marcus M Morris had his... First, like, real, really good game as a Clipper. Scoring 19 on pretty efficient shooting. Hopefully he can play like that uh, in the Lakers series because they're going to need him to step up, getting four steals. He was really impressive that game. Paul George uh, scored a pretty efficient 27. Hit some big, timely shots. Uh, Montres Harrell played a pretty limited amount of minutes. He didn't play great in those minutes, but he's got to get his conditioning back because he's an energy player anyway, so... Uh, I'm interested to see how he keeps doing as he's getting back into basketball shape because he was gone from the bubble for a while. Uh, I think his it was his grandma passed away, rest in peace to his grandma. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there because he's a player who plays a lot for them. Uh, I loved what I saw from their top two. Uh, Patrick Beverly did scare me a little bit because, that, again, that man was getting torched by Luka. Luka was just running right by him. 
Patrick Beverly was fouling a ton, five fouls in only 20 minutes. But uh, this is just the thing about the Clippers. It's they have that depth, but also they have the star power where they're their two best players stepped up huge for them. And then if they even have one guy, like Lou Williams had an all right game. It wasn't great. nothing wasn't bad. It was just an all right game. But if they just have one guy, if they have Marks Morse step up, and then even if they have Montrez Harrell in full basketball shape playing the best he can, have Lou Williams playing the best he can, this team is just so deadly. Even though I don't think they should be super happy about this game because – uh, just because of the Porzingis ejection and because of how much Lucas struggled earlier. And I'd expect him to still have a tough time because this is obviously a, the toughest matchup he can basically get when he's getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George thrown at him, alternating possessions, and even having guys like Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris in there. Uh, but I expect the Mavericks to play better, especially with Porzingis, because even if Porzingis isn't scoring, and he was uh, struggling in the pick and roll a little bit, which was kind of weird to see, but he's usually good. Such a great defender, great presence around the rim, and then even if he's not hitting his shots, you still have to be worried about him, especially with the lack of interior defense and the lack of size the Clippers have. So this is gonna be a really fun series. I could see this going six games. I'm just sad that the Mavs didn't win because I think that could have given them momentum and ma- made the series even closer. But with that loss, uh, in kind of slows things down for the Mavericks and I don't know how close the series is going to be but I loved what I saw from Luka loved the adjustment I saw from Luka like to see Paul George hit some clutch shots because he's been given a lot of unnecessary hate I feel bad for Paul George because he's such a good player but he's probably the most like criticized top 15 player in the entire league just off the top of my head thinking so be interesting to see what happens in the future of the series. I'm going to like this series a lot. It's going to be a very fun series. And, yeah, I'm excited to watch it today. It, uh, I really hope that the Mavs can make a statement with Porzingis back. Moving on to the second day, we got the biggest shock of the entire playoffs so far. The Orlando Magic beat the Bucks 122. Ugh, sorry, I'm hiccuping. To 110 and man this was a wild game to watch because uh even with them winning by 12 it felt like they won by more they just felt in control the entire game which was scary to watch i'm not concerned that they're gonna win uh that they're gonna win this series not concerned about that at all but the bucks should be incredibly concerned about the future of this series uh on the magic nikola vucevic was destroying absolutely destroying the Bucks. Uh Brooke Lopez was way it was just too slow to keep up with him. The pick and pop was killing them. He hit five of his eight threes, scored thirty five points, was doing great in the post, uh got four assists, got fourteen rebounds. He was just incredible. Absolutely dominating that game. It was very impressive. A great performance by him. He stepped up huge, really helped them carry them to that win. Especially uh with them uh, missing Aaron Gordon, who even though is very frustrating and very inconsistent, with them missing Aaron Gordon, this is was absolutely just shocking again. Uh, Markel Fultz looked really good. I really like Markel Fultz. He's had to fight through a lot in his young NBA career just due to all the shoulder things and all all the wild stuff that he had to deal with early in his career, but he's shown a lot of fight. Uh, he scored a good 15 points, shot four threes. Love to see that from him. Terrence Ross was really good off their bench, putting up eight, 18. Uh, DJ Augustine shot struggled a lot, shot 3 of 11, but was huge as a facilitator, made some great passes, uh, dished out 11 assists. And I was just really impressed by this uh, team in general. They sh- completely shocked me. It's Just beating the Bucks was such a shock because I thought the Bucks were going to come out and be in full throttle, but it seems like there's just been something off about the Bucks the entire bubble. Moving on to them, there's just something off about this team. This team does not look anything like the team that was dom- dominating the regular season. Giannis had an incredible game. I mean, put up uh, 31, 17, 7 assists. 
but he got five person he got five fouls he had five turnovers he only shot 48 percent which is kind of low for him i did like to see him hitting three of his seven threes that was big the free throw shooting has been an issue all year shot only four of nine i hate to see that he's really struggled with that all year it just seems to be a confidence thing brooke lopez was terrible on defense which has been his calling card this year and on offense only shooting two of nine oh four from three uh Dante DiVincenzo, who's a really big spark plug for them off the bench a lot of the time, struggled. Uh, George Hill was good for them off the bench, but Pat Connaughton wasn't good. Uh, it just wasn't a good performance. Chris Middleton wasn't good. I think Chris Middleton has been criminally overrated this this year. That's just me. Uh, only shot 4 of 12, scored 14 points. And this whole bubble, there's just something off about this team, man. I'm not... I wasn't confident in them going into the bubble. This is a team that I just don't believe in because their offense is so reliant on Giannis that it scares me a lot because Giannis's game isn't like a playoff type game. And their whole offense is reliant on Giannis driving and kicking. And when those shooters aren't hitting their shots, it's concerning because they don't have the shot creation to uh, bring them over that hump. And them getting controlled in the entire game against the Magic, again, not concerned that they're going to lose the series at all. Not one bit. They're going to win the series. But against a team like the Heat, against a team like the the Raptors or the Celtics, if Gordon Hayward's healthy, you should be incredibly scared about that as a Bucks fan. And, yeah, it's just worrying to watch. This whole team's offense was so stagnant. And that, again, is the biggest issue for me is how basic and stagnant their offense can be at times when it's just like Giannis driving kick, miss, Giannis driving kick, miss, uh, Giannis shoots a three, miss. And it's just, it can be very rough to watch sometimes. This was one of those games. I don't see the Magic even winning another game, but I don't, I also don't see the Bucks making it to the finals. I just can't see it. I can't. Man, there's just something about this team. I'm not going to believe in it until I see it. Is that type of thing for now. Because I'm concerned about this team uh, not losing to the Magic again. Please don't. Please don't get this confused with me thinking they're going to beat the Magic. But uh, get beat by the Magic. But I'm concerned about them in the future. Their offense was so stagnant this game. And getting controlled by a team like the Mag- Magic without their second best player. That's that's concerning and getting absolutely destroyed by Nikola Vucevic when uh, their def- their interior defense has been so good this entire year. Again, concerning. Concerned about this team in the future. Hated what I saw from them that game. That was not a good look one bit. Uh, moving on to Miami versus the Pacers. Loved what I saw from Jimmy Butler this game. Hit both of his threes. Was doing a great job of getting to the line. Uh, was getting steals, talking trash to T.J. Warren. I just absolutely loved what I saw from uh, Jimmy Butler, man. This was one of those classic Jimmy Butler performances where he was hitting big shots. The threes were huge because that's been a big issue all this year. It really seemed like a, like a Chicago Bulls Jimmy Butler performance, and I love to see that. It gives me a lot of com- more confidence in this Heat team if Jimmy Butler can be that guy and step up, hit big shots. But yeah, loved what I saw from him. Bam had a Bam type game, putting up 17, 10, and 6. Uh, Goran Dragic was really good for him, hitting four of his nine threes, scoring 24 points. Was great for them. Uh, I loved what I've seen from Tyler Hero this entire bubble. He's just been such a nice spark plug off the bench, and they've put a lot of trust into him. Played 33 minutes. Uh, he's looked like he's improved as a playmaker, and I liked the... I like the composure I saw from him because he's a guy whose biggest asset is his three-point shooting, and he was struggling from three, so he was doing other things, playmaking, uh, getting to the basket, getting to the mid-range area. So I love the composure I saw from him. And this whole team just looked really good this throughout this entire game. Uh, it's nothing that in, like was incredibly stand out for them, but the whole team just looked good. The defense they played is probably the most standout thing. Defense was really impressive, and yeah, I'm I just like this Heat team a ton. I like this Heat team a lot. I'm confident in them going into the uh, future of the playoffs, and the future of this team in general is just super bright. 
Hopefully, we can continue to see that from Jimmy Butler. Because if we continue to see this Jimmy Butler, I may have to take them over the Bucks. to be totally honest. And even if I'm not necessarily taking them over the Bucks, I think that would just be a lot more of a fun series if Jimmy Butler's playing like this, if Goran Jodzic is playing great, and he's been great all year, if Tyler Hero can continue to be a spark off the bench. Uh, Duncan Robinson wasn't even hitting his threes. He struggled a lot this game, shot two of eight. He even airballed three, which is so not Duncan Robinson-like. So the fact that it was like that with him struggling, uh, they didn't even have Kendrick Nunn, who... Uh, that can actually sometimes be a positive considering how damn inconsistent he is. But their bench played decent enough, and then the starters just carried them throughout. This whole team, uh, the principles that they have on the defensive end is very impressive. The coaching from Eric Spolster is impressive. I'd like to see them be a lip, little bit better on offense, but they played well this game. It was a very entertaining game. Even though it, uh, they won by 12, it was closer throughout the game. And it was just a fun game. I really enjoyed this one. And I think this is going to be such a good series. It's just two, like, gritty, team-oriented teams. And that's always fun to watch. Uh, moving on to the Pacers side, though. Victor Oladipo got injured. I haven't actually heard an update on that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, if he plays tomorrow. So it's interesting to see about that because he only played eight minutes. He didn't really look good in those eight minutes necessarily. I mean, he got to the free throw line four times and hit all four of his three throws. But yeah, I'm haven't heard his status. Hopefully, he's doing well. I didn't even necessarily. I didn't see the injury. I just kind of came back from the bathroom and I just saw him up and leaving, and I was very confused. So hopefully, he's doing well. Hopefully, that injury isn't nothing, anything major, because he's. Got so unlucky with injuries, especially with his contract coming up soon. I just want to see him be healthy because he's so good when he is healthy. But uh, um, this team looked pretty solid. Now, obviously, they're missing Sabonis. Tough loss for them. I haven't heard anything on his status, so I'm just assuming he's not coming back. And then TJ Warren actually looked good this game. He did not look good at all the last time they played. Uh, he played pretty well this game. Jimmy Butler still did a good job defending him, but he scored 22 points. It looked more like a TJ Warren game before the bubble, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's obviously not like a great thing because you'd want TJ Warren to still be putting up these crazy numbers, but that's just not TJ Warren in my opinion. If he's putting up 22, uh, doing a good job of hitting his threes, getting some rebounds, getting some steals, then you should be plenty happy because putting up 22 points is nothing to... Uh, be mad at I actually really like what I saw from their bench Justin Holiday was great for them off the bench uh, Jakar Sampson actually played very well off their bench and I just uh, I just like this whole team in general because they're just such a team oriented team I think Nick McMillan is a very good coach he uh, does so well at making the most out of every one of his players and it was impressive to see them staying the game with a good te Heat team without uh, Victor Oladipo for the, most of the game. I need to see Miles Turner be better. 4 of 11 for a big man. Just simply not good enough. Bam was playing some great defense on him. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon has struggled with his shot basically ever since he's got back from the bubble. Hopefully that comes back. Only shot 1 of 6 from 3. shot 6 of 18 overall. That was a bit rough to watch. But he was doing a good job facilitating, doing a good job getting to the line. And I always like to see that from a point guard. But yeah, this is going to be a really fun series. This two teams that kind of are a bit of a reflection of each other, even though I think that he are a better team, especially without Sabonis and depending on what happens with Victor Oladipo. But they both have the uh, similar uh, things to them, and they're both very solid teams that are fun to watch. This is going to be a good series, and I hope we... I just hope I hope we get to see a TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler fight. That would be that would be the greatest thing ever. Because uh, if you don't know what happened, TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler have had quite quite a bit of beef this year, and it's very entertaining to watch. And it's so entertaining to watch uh, like Jimmy Butler get a steal in a passing lane on a pass from TJ Warren, and then talking trash as he's about to dunk it. I love to see that. I just love to see the competitive sphere of the series, and I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I'd like to see Malcolm Brogdon step up and be better. I'd like to see Victor Aldipo be healthy and be good. Because then I think this could be a very close series. 
And the game was closer than the score indicated, but it was still a close game. I liked watching this one a lot. I think I'm just going to overall enjoy this series a lot. It'll be fun. Moving on, we got Thunder vs. Rockets. Now, this was an incredibly, incredibly disappointing uh, game for me. I thought this was going to be a close game. I thought it was going to be a fun uh, back-and-forth game, but it just simply wasn't. Shea really struggled. The wing defense on the Rockets is very impressive, and they just locked up Shea. They were doing a great job of making it very tough for him. Chris Paul still had a great game. He almost put up a triple-double, was just one assist shy. Danilo Gallinari was great, putting up 29, very efficient. Got to the line well, kind of used that size advantage he had over them. Steven Adams was, again, using that size advantage and put up 17 and 12. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was very bad off the bench, and he's a player who's super important for them off the bench, a player that they put a lot of trust into, that they believe in a lot. So I'm shooting 3 of 12, 0 of 5 from 3 uh, is rough for them, and I expect the Sun team to definitely play better. The series is far from over, but... I definitely saw a lot of things that concerned me about this Thunder team. Just the way they were able to play defense on Shea. Uh, and then without without Luke Wentz door even, their lack of depth is even worse. I loved what I saw from Darius Baisley, though. Man, I really, really, really like Darius Baisley. I like Darius Baisley a ton. I think he's going to be so good in the future. I think he has a ton of potential. Uh, hit all well, hit three of his four threes. Really liked what I saw from Darius Baisley. He's looked great in the bubble so far. Looking like he has some, like, Lamar Odom type, uh, like, Pascal Siakam point forward-ish type potential. So I really like what I saw from Darius Baisley. That's the biggest positive for me to take away from this, even though, like, the, you got players who played better, obviously. But it's just the lack of depth that does concern me about the Thunder. Moving on, guys, I can't. Uh, Hamadou Diallo playing 14 minutes when he's just not that good. And that's been a thing for them all years that they don't really have much depth. And I'm going to need to see guys like Shea, like Dennis Schroeder, play a lot better if they're going to win the series. Especially without Russell Westbrook. you got to take advantage of these non-Russell Westbrook games. Moving on to the Rockets. Rockets impressed me a ton this game. Uh, it's The Rockets are just such a wild card, which is... It's so frustrating, but also so entertaining at the same time to watch them because I have no clue if they're going to win a game. Like, I just kind of go, when I'm watching, I just kind of go in not expecting anything and just kind of hoping it's a good game because they can uh, be bricking their threes and look terrible and get blown out or shoot uh, 38.5% from three on 52 attempts and blow out a team where they just kept going. Their offense was unrelentless, and they just uh, established that lead early. James Harden was absolutely phenomenal, putting up 37, who's very efficient, grabbed 11 boards. Jeff Green was huge for them off the bench. Jeff Green has been playing very well the entire bubble, which is a big surprise for me. Put up 22. Uh, Eric Gordon was a bit inefficient, but kind of looked like the Eric Gordon of pa Eric Gordon of past. He's uh, been struggling a, a lot in the bubble and just overall this year. I need to see Robert Covington starting to hit his shots, so that's been concerning because he hasn't hit his shots at all this entire bubble. Uh, ben McLemore was very good off the bench, and again, if this, it's all about the Rockets and hitting their threes. If they are hitting their threes at a very good rate like this, they are almost impossible to beat. They're just such a wild card, which is so just wild to watch. Because they were always a wild card with their play style, but they went all in on it. So now they're even more of a wild card. And it's just really fun to watch. I think this uh, Houston team has a lot of potential to do great things this year. Uh, but I also, again, wouldn't even be surprised if they just went cold and lost the series. That's the wild thing about them, is that they're the biggest team where it's like, Man, if they lose in the first round, would not be surprised. If they win the finals, would be surprised a little bit, but not really that surprised just because of how much of a wild card they are. It'll be interesting to see uh, how quickly Russell Westbrook comes back. I hope he's doing well because I think he's a big X factor for the team. 
in a way where he just kind of changes the tempo of this team where like the second he came in the pace increased a ton and I think he just adds a completely different dynamic with his ability to drive because he's so athletic and then his ability to uh, either just finish it or kick it to the corners kick it to guys like PJ Tucker kick it to guy like Daniel House Robert Covington Eric Gordon Ben McLemore Jeff Green if he continues to shoot they just have so many wings who can defend and can shoot and if they're again 52 threes on almost 39%. That is incredible. And then again, their wing defense, they played such good defense on Shea. So loved what I saw from the Rockets. They're, again, just such a wild card team. Have no clue how far they're going to go. But no matter what, they're going to be a very fun and frustrating team to watch at the same time. Because when they're hitting their threes, when they're playing good defense, they're really fun to watch. But when they're just constantly missing threes and they don't do anything else, they're going to be annoying to watch. So this is like my most bipolar team ever, but I liked what I saw from them, and this team is very, very interesting. Don't know what's going to happen with them this year. I could see, again, any result happening wouldn't really be surprised that much. Moving on to the last game of the day, we got the Portland Trailblazers versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, we got two uh, 1-8 upsets. At least in game one, which was really surprising. I wasn't that surprised by this one, though. It was a bit of a rough game overall for both teams. Uh, each team shot under 30, uh, under 40% from the field, which was a bit rough to watch. Overall, very just like scrappy, rough game. But uh, Damian Lillard was incredible. Hit some huge timely shots. Hit some shots all the way from the logo. Uh, made some good passes that... Uh, made some clutch assists. Yusuf Nurkic uh, shot. He kind of struggled with his shot. Was huge on the boards for them though. Made some uh, good passes. Melo really struggled. He did not look that good that game. But he hit two of his five threes, which is nice. He got ten rebounds, which is good. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel actually played some good defense on Anthony Davis, even though he fouled very quickly. Uh, CJ McCollum hit some timely shots for them. CJ is just such a smooth player. Love watching CJ. Hassan Whiteside actually got some huge blocks for them. And it was just a really back and forth, uh, close, pretty close game throughout. It was, I was just really impressed to see the uh, Trailblazers win such like a scrappy, rough uh, game where both teams are struggling on offense because that's kind of the thing that uh, I felt I wasn't very confident in them where it's like they need to be uh, – a team that's putting up a ton of points and just outscores the other team. But they won a scrappy, physical, uh, just rough-around-the-edges game for both teams. And it was really fun to watch. I love to see the confidence from Dame pulling up from the logo, Hindo shots. The 6 of 13 threes, that's absolutely incredible. Got to the line 10 times. I love to see CJ hitting tough shots over guys. And it's just so fun to watch this backcourt because uh, I was watching uh, – uh, some of the guys from Through the Wire, they were doing a live reaction because one of them is a, is a Trailblazers fan. Shout out to D-Mills. And this guy, uh, Pierre, was just talking about uh, the, their backcourt and how fun it is to watch them because they make tough shots that would be almost an impossible shot for anybody. looks so easy and just so natural for them. So really fun to watch them. Was really impressed by the Trailblazers winning such a gritty game. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. struggled a lot. Expect them to play a lot better. He had like two off the side of the backboard threes that looked really rough. But they did shoot pretty well from 338%. Was impressed by that. And overall, impressed by the Trailblazers. Uh, and this is going to be it's gonna be a tough series for the Lakers. This is going to be far from a cakewalk for the first round. Moving on to the Lakers. LeBron had an incredible game. Putting up 23, 17, and 16. Very good. Would have loved to see him be a more aggressive earlier though. There's just something about LeBron. Like this is this is playoffs time. I thought we were gonna see playoff LeBron, but he just was kind of there for in the first bit. He was a little more aggressive to end, and like he's a great playmaker. 16 assists, probably the best playmaker we've ever seen. But sometimes you just need to put your head down and score, especially when uh, your other guys are struggling. Danny Green continues to be just bad. He's there's something about him. He's fallen off. Ever since the Raptors playoffs, there is something wrong with Danny Green. 
And I think it was I saw a stat where it's like his last 18 games he's averaging like six points on terrible efficiency. He's really struggled. KCP was actually looking pretty good all year. Uh, was terrible this game. Put up one point. Shot 0 of nine from the field. 0 of five from three. Kyle Kuzma was bad off the bench. Uh, 14 points on 14 shots. Shot one of five from three. Alex Caruso was bad off the bench. Uh, shot a bad three at the end of the game that looked really, really bad. And it was just, man, it was a rough, 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 rough game for the Lakers offensively. They looked like the Lakers we saw in the seeding games. They shot five of 32 from three, 15.6%. That is a terrible. They only shot 64.5% from the line. Uh, LeBron and AD both missed uh, two very very timely free throws and this Lakers team concerns me a lot because I thought they were going to flip a switch and I'd love to see them prove me wrong and flip a switch tomorrow but I just don't know what to think about this Lakers team right now because all their shooters are struggling so much they all are out of rhythm they don't have confidence and they are relying so much on LeBron and AD. And obviously those guys are phenomenal players. They're going to uh, sometimes just will them through a game. But AD, he put up 28 points, but shot 8 of 24. Uh, shot 12 of 17 from the line. He was doing a great job of getting bigs in foul trouble. That was really impressive. He got 6 offensive rebounds, which was also really impressive. But I need to see, see him shoot better than that. 8 of 24 is very poor for AD, and I need to see these other guys step up and do something, because, man, it was rough, rough, rough to watch them just continually brick a three, brick a three, brick a three, brick a three, and even though LeBron is such a great playmaker, and his all-around game is what makes him so phenomenal, sometimes I'm gonna need to see him just put his head down and will them through a game, because, uh, with a game like this, again, where everybody is struggling, except for AD, and even AD is kind of struggling, sometimes you just need to go out there and win a game for yourself. But I am concerned about this Lakers team. And it's not, again, not it's the same thing with the Magic versus the Bucks. I'm not concerned that they're going to lose this series. But I am concerned that in a future series, with their guys struggling so much that they could lose the series. So... Interested to see what happens in the future with that. I was really impressed with this win from the Trailblazers. Very disappointed from the Lakers. The three-point shooting has been an issue all year. But during these seeding games, there's something wrong with this team. I don't know what it is. I know LeBron said there's something off court. There's just something up with this team where they're all out of rhythm. They're all out of sync. Uh, they need to run the AD and LeBron pick and roll more because that is just easy points. But they don't run that nearly enough. Oh yeah, I was disappointed from the Lakers, and I see this series being a good one, especially if guys like Damian Lillard can keep being incredible, CJ can keep being very good. Uh, was a little disappointed also from Hassan Whiteside and uh, Dwight Howard. They were getting, both of them got uh, some very silly fouls because they were both being childish and like pushing each other after rebounds and stuff. I, I did not like to see that from all, especially in a playoff game. Come on, guys. Be professionals. But, yeah, very concerned about the Lakers going into the future because their role players have been terrible. But, yeah, we got some uh, games that I'm excited for today. We'll be very excited for Utah versus Denver, very excited for Philly versus Boston, and then very excited for Dallas versus uh, the Clippers. Hopefully the Nets can make it a game against the Raptors. Oh, they put that one on. <laughs> they put that one on an NBA TV. They said that game's not even good enough for TNT. But hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, when I'll be back for the next episode, the draft lottery will have happened, so I'll definitely be bringing content with that sooner rather than later. You'll see a mock draft from me. I've scouted about thirty-five players. I'm trying to get a couple more in before I put out my mock draft, and obviously I have to see what happens in the lottery. But we'll see a lot of fate. Uh, for NBA teams futures I'll be obviously keep talking about the games that are going on by then maybe we'll kind of know what's going to happen in a series so I'll be interested to see what happens by then next episode will be a packed one next episode will be a very exciting one I do hope you enjoyed a lot if you did please make sure to download make sure to drop a like on YouTube do all that stuff hope you have a good rest of your day it's been Michael peace out